And um, I'll just go for about the next 40, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, and just share God's word generally along some of these lanes. And right after that, we'll take some questions and endeavor to answer. First and foremost, let me put out a disclaimer. I'm not a medical doctor. So I'm not going to be speaking from a perspective of medical science. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not. I'm a preacher of the gospel. So I'm just going to speak from the Bible, which is um, uh, uh, my tool, the, my walk tool. I'm going to speak from the Bible. So I'm going to, not going to be addressing things from a medical perspective. Uh, I'm, neither am I a psychologist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm a preacher. So I'm going to talk from the Bible. I'm going to talk from the Bible. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. Such a crucial subject that we're looking at. Thank you for helping us to uh, unveil your word to your people. Thank you because we are blessed, we are edified in Jesus' name. Amen. First and foremost, I want to establish the fact that it's God's will that we walk in health. In 3 John 2, the Bible says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. So God wants us healthy. It is will that we're healthy. Now, when we talk about health, uh, thank God for physical health. We are very aware of that. Uh, but mental health is an aspect that people are not as conscious of. But the fact is that uh, mental health is just as critical and is just as important to God as our physical health is. And he wants us mentally healthy. He wants our minds to be okay. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 7, the Bible says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. So soundness of mind is part of our inheritance in Christ Jesus, a sound mind. It's God's will. It's God's plan. It's God's purpose. He wants us mentally healthy. Now, usually when you talk about uh, uh, conditions to do with mental health, people are quick to think about depression. And yes, we're going to talk about depression. But look, there is a whole broad spectrum of mental health issues. And um, contrary to what people think that all the, it's just demons, demons, demons. Yes, there are demons. And we're going to see from the Bible that uh, evil spirits can affect people's mental health, like in the case of the madman of Gadara. But sometimes there are natural factors. A person is not resting well. A person is not sleeping well. A person is beginning to think on the wrong things. A person begins to grieve over something. A person begins to meditate on the wrong thoughts. A person um, is not dealing with guilt and is not renewing their mind with the word of God concerning something that happened, they lost a loved one they lost, and all that. So some of those things can also predispose to mental, uh, a lack of soundness of mind. I, do, I don't just want to say mental illness alone. Yes, it includes that. But when we say mental illness, people tend to just think, weary. you know, people tend to just think, you know, ah, that one, a mad one. That one, a mad one. But there are many people with all that. There's a broad spectrum. Now, there are the neurosis. There are the psychosis. Uh, uh, neurotic uh, conditions, things to do with anxieties, things to do with phobias, fears. You know, there are people that are afraid of open spaces. Some people are afraid of closed spaces. Some people are afraid of water. 
Some people are afraid of flying. Some people are so scared of some of these things, it's unimaginable. Those are mental challenges also. Some people are anxious. They're just worried and worried stiff about worrying themselves to the grave. You see, the truth is this. Worry has sent more people to the, the insane asylum and to uh, the death grave than any other thing. So those are neurotic issues that have to do with a lack of sound behavior. Then um, there are psychotic illnesses as well. For instance, there's manic depressive illness. Uh, we know a lot about the depressive side. For instance, in, because of COVID, uh, many people are depressed, their finances are down, their health is down, they don't have much to look up to, some have lost loved ones. So there's depression, and that's more common than we realize. Then there's the manic side of manic depressive illness. The manic side, and there are people who are, the manic side makes people elated. Uh, uh, they have a things that you're going to miss the rapture. My guy, you're born again. You're a child of God. You see, so sometimes there are uh, delusions of grandeur, and some of these things are manic. Some of these things could express themselves in different ways. Uh, I have some uh, background in, uh, in medicine about some of these things that I studied. Uh, so I could talk a little bit from that perspective, just a little, but I want us to focus more on what does the word of God say. Then there are schizophrenic issues as well. Schizophrenia, that's the, the typical madman we see on the street. You know, it, it's actually a split mind, a split mind. The person's mind is split. They are incoherent, you know, and all that. And it doesn't mean they are possessed. It's just an oppression of the devil. So uh, then there are behavioral personality disorders, like the narcissistic personality disorder. I don't want to say more than that. I just want to mention that there's such a thing as that. When a fellow believes I'm this, I'm that, I'm the best this, I'm the greatest that, I'm the that, that, and then they become bullies. And there are all kinds of personality disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder, and a whole spectrum of those things. So when we talk about mental health, there's a whole lot to mental health a whole lot to mental health. And God wants our minds to be sound. God wants our minds to be whole. Now, does faith have anything to do with mental health? Certainly. Does faith have anything to do with uh, uh, people being cured, people staying well, people living well, people having uh, sound minds? Certainly. Now, tell your story. You know, Brother Hagin, Praise the Lord. Well, so sorry, it was um, some glitch with the internet connection. So I was talking about Brother Hagin's mom and um, she had four kids. When the last child was six months, that's Pat, her husband, Jess, he left off. He was gone out of the house. He was irresponsible. He used to be, he used to gamble, he used to drink, he used to womanize. He was very irresponsible. His father was a millionaire. They had set him up in business, he squandered the money. You know, uh, he was just an irresponsible fellow. So, uh, brother, Higgins' mom, Lily Vowler, you know, she was a baby Christian. She didn't know about casting her cares on the Lord. She didn't know any of that stuff. So that began until it affected her optic nerve. She got blind. She couldn't see with both eyes. And they said it wasn't anything, it wasn't anything, um, uh, physical. It was just the, the strain of all she had passed through. Then she had a complete mental nervous 
and physical breakdown. She broke down and she became suicidal, very suicidal. She was going to kill herself. She was going to butcher herself with a knife. Now, Brother Higgins said as a boy of six that when he was with his grandparents on his um, mother's side, sometimes his grandma would be spreading clothes out in the line. And his grandma would tell him to watch his mom. If she picks a knife or something like that, tries to harm herself, he should run and call her. Just imagine a six-year-old boy running to call his grandma because his mom is about to kill himself. And there were times she was going to do just that, just to kill herself before the knife was taken from her. Now, what was going on? She was in depression. Now, if she had died at one of those times, where would she have gone? Question I want to ask you is this. If somebody is sick and a Christian is sick and has, um, has cancer, if the Christian dies who has cancer, where will the Christian who has cancer go if he dies? Of course, if he's born again, he'll go to heaven. Now, people can be sick in their stomachs and do crazy things. Believe me, people can be sick in their heads and do crazier things. If she, have, if she had killed herself in any of those times, she would have gone to heaven because she was a child of God. I know this up, up, up ends many people's theology. You know, the popular belief that anybody who commits suicide goes to hell, that's a lie. Anybody who commits suicide is depressed. Now, I'm not making a case for suicide. I'm not. I'm not saying suicide is right. Suicide is murder. Yes, it is. But I'm saying for someone who want to kill themselves, they are not in a right mental state. And so if anything, they need compassion. They need our help. That's what they need. They don't need our condemnation. You know, uh, I was talking one time. I said, I know a fellow who committed suicide who's in heaven. And uh, I'm not saying I had a vision. I read it in the Bible. And somebody asked me, who could that be? I said, Samson. Samson committed suicide. He killed himself. But yet we find him in the Hall of Fame of the Heroes of Faith in Hebrews 11. Uh, and in Hebrews 12, that's spoken of. If you read Hebrews 12, 1 in context, he said, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about these folks in the grandstands of heaven that are cheering us on. And Samson is one of them. Now, Judas committed suicide. He did. But I can tell you Judas is in hell. Why is Judas in hell? He's a son of perdition. He rejected the Lord. Yes, he was remorseful over what he did, but he didn't run to the Lord. He ran from him. Jesus said all that the Father had given him, he kept, except the son of perdition. Now, I'm not making a case for suicide. I'm just saying that this is a mental condition. People are sick. They are in depression. That's it. She attempted to kill herself a number of times. They saved her from it. Doctor after doctor tried. They couldn't help her uh, until they met this um, uh, preacher after preacher. They couldn't help her. You know, thank God. Some preachers are just ignorant. Until they met this Baptist pastor who said something. That, that when it comes to such issues with diseases, such conditions, that no matter what they give her to steady her nerves, it could only help just a little bit. That the best thing she can do, he gave her Hebrews, um, Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he told her, he said, look, anytime you sense that attack coming on, usually before she gets into that deep depressive state, it begins to, it starts coming gradually, gradually. That anytime she notices the gradual thing of the depression trying to come on her, she should speak to it. She should start speaking and say, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to be depressed. I stand against this. I stand against it. I take authority over it in the name of Jesus. A Baptist, a Baptist doctor. And guess what? She did that. 
And that was how she was free. Now, Brother Hagin said many, many years after, he tried to bring it up to his mom and said, Mom, you remember that time when you tried to kill yourself? She had absolutely no memories of it. She wasn't aware. She wasn't in her right mind. Now, there are a lot of things that um, could affect people. Now, another thing I'll say is this too. When it comes to diseases of the mind, hmm, I want to say this. Walking by faith, I'm a faith man. The Bible teaches in Galatians 3, 11, Romans 1, 17, Hebrews 10, 38, Habakkuk 2, 4, that the just shall live by faith. So we walk by faith. But let me say this. You see, the doctor is fighting the same devil the preacher is fighting. He is. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with getting medical help. Because I'm a faith man, doesn't mean I'm averse to medical science. In Proverbs chapter 18, in verse 9, the Amplified Classic, the B part of that verse, it says that he that doesn't use his endeavors to help himself is brother to him that commits suicide. So don't be foolish. If you need medical help, please get it. Now, many times, the drugs, especially when it comes to these cases, mental stuff, the drugs can help calm the person down and get, just calm the person down where, while we try to get the word across to the person. Many times, the typical thing is that we want to start doing deliverance on the person's head. You know, and yes, sometimes there are demons. And the Bible says, in my name, shall they cast out devils? You've got authority over the devil. But I'm just saying that sometimes just the person getting medical help to calm the symptoms down, to get the person calm, and then we can teach the person God's word and get God's word across to the person, and the person can stay well. Now, people usually have a lot of problems with those drugs and the medication and their side effects. But look, listen, I tell people, let the doctor put you off the drugs. When you are well, the doctor will do it. I often don't advise people to prematurely take themselves off their medication. I don't advise people to do that. And this case, when it comes to mental health issues, is one where I, um, I particularly say this. Let the doctor put you off the drugs. When you're well, the doctor will know it. The doctor will tell you you don't need the medication anymore. Usually, they begin to reduce the dosage. Now, some of those drugs have some side effects. It's true. But it's better to live with those side effects than cause yourself more trouble. Each relapse they have makes the matter worse. So nothing wrong with getting uh, professional help. If you need to see a psychologist, a Christian psychologist, if you need to see a therapist, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Of course, you know, we must put the word of God first. And God's word really will fix any situation. God's word will fix any circumstance. Now, there's a story we know in Matthew 15 from verse 21 to 28. The Bible says, then Jesus departed thence into the coast of Tan, Sidon, says, and there came a woman of Canaan out of the same coast, besought him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughters, give yourself vexed with the devil. The Bible says, but he answered, I am not a word. says, and the disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she cried after us. And he said, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, O Lord, help me. And Jesus said, it's not meat, it's not proper to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. She said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs do eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. That's what she said. Verse 28 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. The Bible says that her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, what we see there is that faith 
delivers. That woman came in faith on behalf of her little daughter, of her daughter. Well, I don't know how little. On behalf of her daughter. And um, by her faith, she was able to take deliverance. She was able to take healing for her daughter. Now, it's possible that it was something to do with the daughter's mind. We are not sure. We're just, we just know that she was grievously vexed with a devil. That's what Matthew's account tells us. Grievously vexed with a devil. So it could have been a mental situation. But we see clearly there that faith got her healed. Her daughter was made whole. Our daughter was set free. The grievous vexation of a devil, of the devil, faith in God's word received wholeness for it. So faith can make whole. In Mark 5, 34, Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, O woman, great is thy faith. Uh, said, daughter, thy faith that made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So her faith made her whole. Her faith made her whole. In Matthew 9, 27 to 30, we see the two blind men who came to meet Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do? He said, I will receive her sight. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And they were made whole. So we see again and again and again in scripture that faith makes whole. Now, whether the wholeness is for the body or whether the wholeness is for the mind, concerning diseases of the mind, faith does make whole. Now in James chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. It says, And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now, that James 1, 21 tells us that the engrafted word of God is able to save our souls. That word save there is the word sozo. And it means to heal our soul. It means to deliver our soul. It means to make our soul whole. Now, man is a spirit. We know from 1 Thessalonians 5.23, uh, the Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, sanctify you completely. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that there are three dimensions to man's being, spirit, soul, and body. Now, some people say that man is a tripartite being. I don't say that. Some people say that he's part spirit, he's part soul, he's part body. I don't say that. Man is not part spirit. Man is a spirit. In Genesis 1.26, the Bible says that God said, the, the Godhead, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness. Verse 28 says, in the image of God made he male and female, created he them. So man is, is made in the image and in the likeness of God. Now, what's God's image? like exactly so we'll know what image man is in jesus said in john 4 24 that god is a spirit that's the way the king james version puts it god is a spirit and they that worship him was worship him in spirit and in truth now if god is a spirit and he is jesus said so and man is made in the image and likeness of god and he was man also of necessity must be a spirit being so man is his spirit now man who is a spirit has a soul. Like in our bodies now, my brain is somewhere in my head. That's what my soul is, where my spirit is concerned. There's the inward man who is the spirit. There's the outward man who is the body. That inward man who is the spirit has a soul. Has a soul. Now, the soul consists of three parts. The mind, the will, 
and the emotions. The mind, the will, and the emotions. The mind, that's our sensibilities, our reasoning, our will. We exercise volition through our wills. And then our emotions. Now, a Christian does not need inner healing. If you're talking about inner healing, talking about his spirit. No, his spirit doesn't need healing. A Christian spirit is not sick. His spirit is recreated at the new birth. Sometimes there are issues, things have happened in the past. Now, also, when it comes to this deliverance issue, and like I said, it's not all cases of mental health challenges that it's a demon. Sometimes there are natural causes, like not sleeping well, like anxiety that can predispose to a breakdown. Now, the brain is a physical case that the soul walks through. If your brain doesn't get enough rest, your soul won't function right through it. And then the fellow could get incoherent, could, could lose it, could snap. You know, so there are natural causes as well as spiritual causes. You know, are there demons? Could demons be responsible? Certainly, certainly. Now, the case of the madman of Gadara in Mark 5, from verse 1 to 20, this was a man, he had lost his mind. Apparently, he was a masochist. Who's a masochist? Someone who derives sexual pleasure from inflicting pain on himself. Now, some of those behaviors, when it comes to any kind of behavior that is unnatural, usually there's a demon behind it. Now, is there a demon behind homosexuality and lesbianism? Not necessarily. The Bible calls it uncleanness. Uncleanness. If you read in Romans 1, you know, uh, who being past feeling. The, uh, the Bible talks about when they knew God in their knowledge, they want to retain him. God give them over to a reprobate mind. Do those things that are not convenient. Men walking with men, that which is unseemly, achieving themselves, the recompense of their error, which was neat. You know, it talks about God giving them to uncleanness. Uncleanness is what homosexuality and lesbianism is. It's unnatural. But if you, if you go to Galatians 5.19 and we look at the list of the works of the flesh, we see that uh, adultery, fornication, uh, or uncleanness, lasciviousness. So uncleanness is a work of the flesh. So homosexuality and lesbianism is not a state of birth. It's just a state, it's a work of the flesh. Now, if someone will persist long enough in those unnatural things, evil spirits can come and enforce the condition and now, uh, uh, and get behind it. Especially when it comes to some of these unnatural things, you know, incest and all those things, uh, they're pedophiles, and whether we like it or not, some of these things are in church. Whether we want to face up to it or we don't want to face up to it, they are here. So we may just as well start talking about it. Transgender issues. If I look, he was a male, he became a female, he now gets born again in church. What are we going to do? We better start asking those questions ahead of time and trying to get answers. Because these issues are here. They're real people. They have real issues. They're looking for real answers. But it's all about people. Amen. So this fellow, the Bible says he had an unclean spirit. Now, a person is only possessed with one evil spirit. That evil spirit can now open the door to others. So he was possessed with an unclean spirit. He had a legion. The name of that spirit was legion. That legion spirit opened the door to other spirits it took a hold of that man's mind he used to cut himself with stones so that's why we can deduce he was probably a masochist he was an unclean spirit so he was immoral he would cut himself inflicting pain on himself and then another thing we see about that man is that he had supernatural strength now the source of all strength is spiritual all strength is spiritual now we see an example of samson samson had supernatural strength 
you know, why will they be looking for the secret of his power? If Samson was like Lou Ferrigno, who's Lou Ferrigno? The guy that acts incredible hawk. If you saw someone who was uh, seven feet tall, bulging biceps, bulging triceps, all his muscles bulging, you won't be looking for the secret of his power. Uh, there's no secret there. You can see it. But if a fellow just like I am can with his bare hands tear a lion apart, then you want to say, my guy, tell me, waiting be the cocoa, waiting be the 411. What's the secret behind it? So what was the secret? The Holy Ghost will come upon him. The power of God will come upon him. And gave, it gave him supernatural strength. We see the madman of Gadara also had supernatural strength. But there was a difference. You see, the spirit of God, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. When it's the Holy Ghost, the person still stays sound in their minds. But whatever, uh, if it's not the spirit of God, whatever makes a fellow lose possession of his mental faculties and lose control of his mental faculties cannot be the Holy Ghost. So he lost his mind. Now, a demon needed to be dealt with in that case. And um, Jesus cast the thing out and the fellow was delivered. He was set free. So there's sometimes where there's, there's an evil spirit behind it. Sometimes just a flesh problem. And sometimes a demon comes and enhances the flesh problem. Now, I'll say this. Christians are going to have more trouble with the flesh than they will demons. Now, yeah, we need to renew our minds with the word of God. Where real spiritual warfare is, is not in pulling down his strongholds over Abuja, over Karki, over uh, Ikeja, over Allen Avenue. No, we need to pull them down. Now, are there evil spirits that work in the heavenlies? Is there a double kingdom system? Certainly. But the primary place of spiritual warfare is actually renewing our minds with the word of God, presenting our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. That's the primary place where most of the warfare will be. Now, there are some Christians you know, if you're born again, you can't have a demon problem. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That you're a new creature. And because you're a new creature, there's no problem. Absolutely no problem. There can never be any problem with you. You know, you can't have demon trouble. Now, Paul seemed not to think so. Paul said in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren in the world. Now, a Christian can be devoured by the devil. A Christian can lose his mind. A Christian can. A Christian can be afflicted by demon activity. Now, can a demon be in a Christian spirit? It cannot be. It cannot be. It is impossible. But you see, there are three degrees of demonic influence. There is oppression, which could be from the outside. It could even be in the body. You know, there's oppression. It could also be in the mind. Then there's obsession. Obsession is when the mind is fixated and taken over by an idea, by an oppressive influence of the devil. And then there is possession. Now, a believer cannot be possessed. A believer can, however, be oppressed and he can be obsessed. He can be. You know, I don't believe in 
when it comes to Bible doctrine, I always am an advocate of, let's stay in the middle of the road. There's a ditch on this side, there's a ditch on the other side. Let's stay in the middle of the road and let's stay balanced. So, God's word will save our souls. God's word will make our souls whole. Now, sometimes people have had experiences in the past. Sometimes it's guilt. Sometimes it's, um, it's a fear. Sometimes grieving about something, grief, grieving that thing. It's possible that, you know. And then what we also talk about mental health. It's not always, don't wait until somebody tears their clothes in the market to say there's a mental health challenge. There are certain personality disorders. This is not okay. There are certain um, behaviors. A fellow is just afraid. Can't be alone in a room. Start shaking. You know, if the room is locked. You know, yeah, that person is not mad, but that's not a sound mind. That's not healthy. You know, a fellow is depressed and just keeps having suicidal thoughts. Now, th that's, not, that's not fine. That's not okay. Now, the object of this session is not just to itemize these things. Yes, we want to let people know there are these issues. Do people need help? People need help. Now, in case you're going through a challenge and you need help, please speak out. The devil likes darkness. You know, people like they are going through stuff. They just keep it to themselves. They don't talk to anybody. Nobody can reach them. Nobody can help them. Then the condition aggravates. Surely some of these areas of depression, you know, speak out, reach out, reach out for help. Let people know. Let talk with your pastor, talk with your church. Let them know I need help. I'm going through this. You know, get a body of believers who can serve. Sometimes people also need even medical help. If you need that, go get it. But like I said, I'm coming from the perspective of what does the word of God say? And I want you to know this. The word of God can set you free, no matter what the problem is, no matter the mental health challenge. The word of God is the solution. Faith in God's word works. We saw in Matthew 5, 28, that daughter that was vexed, with an evil spirit. Jesus said to the mother, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. The Bible says, and our daughter was made whole from that very hour. So our faith has a lot to do with our mental health. Our faith in every aspect of our lives. Because the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, how do I use my faith? Let's say you're challenged along some line with your mental health. And also, I'm not just talking to people who have mental health challenges. Don't wait until prevention is always better than cure. God wants us to stay healthy mentally. He doesn't, he'll rather we are mentally healthy than we fall apart and then try to get help. Amen. Listen, God's healthy can keep your mind sound. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing, by the renewing, by the renewing, 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 renewing of what? Of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In Psalm 23, verse 3, the Bible says, he restoreth my soul. 
He restoreth my soul. So our souls can be restored. Now, not our spirits. Our spirits are recreated at the new birth. But then we still have the same soul we had before we got saved. The same mind, will, and emotions. We still have that same mind. Our minds, we want to think the way they used to think. Our emotions, we want to be the way they used to be. Let's say you were messed up and you had affection for crazy stuff, just unhealthy stuff. But that was how your emotional makeup was as uh, a sinner. And now you now get saved. It doesn't mean automatically that problem will disappear because now you're saved. It wasn't your soul that got saved. It was your spirit. The new birth, the re recreation of the human spirit is instantaneous. But the saving of the soul, the renewing of the mind is a process. Now, we've had quite a number of people come to Rhema who had mental health issues, some drug addictions. Now, whether you like it or not, that's another area. The people who are struggling with stuff, some struggling with porn, some struggling with addictions, some addicted to all kinds of weird stuff, some who do tramadol, and some might even be listening to me right now. I want you to know that I'm not condemning you. God is not condemning you. He loves you, and he wants to help you. That stuff is going to mess up your life. Some heroin, some Indian hemp. I've known people that do hemp. You know, I remember one fellow. He talked about born again fellow now walking with the Lord. He said there was one time as a young man, he explored with Indian hemp. He said when he ex explored, you know, he said he sniffed that stuff. So when he took it, he said he then started hearing voices. Then he had this company, these folks who were with him, you know, and then he told them, he said, ah, I'm hearing voices, oh, I'm hearing voices, oh. Then they ask him, what, what is the voice telling you? He said, he say, pick that paper on the floor. Pick that paper on the floor. Then they told him, don't pick it, oh, don't pick it, oh. If you pick it like this, you don't enter market with that. You know, folks who do all this, they're these things. So there's a myriad of issues. But listen, the answer is the word of God. James 1.21, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to deliver, which is able to make whole, which is able to protect, which is able to heal your soul. Uh, whatever has messed up your soul, maybe it was some stuff from your past. Maybe it's some stuff that you're going through now. You know, there are people, it was their father. Their father abused them. Some people, their mother abused them sexually. You know, some people, it was an uncle. Some people, it was, you know, different things. And sometimes some of these things uh, cause mental issues. There are some people, someone just told you, you're just not good enough. You're too daft. You can't amount to anything. You can't amount to anything. Then you have a complex, an inferiority complex. And the people that have grown up with that kind of a thing. Some people, they were scared. They were, uh, they, maybe they, they grew up under some weird circumstances and those things have damaged their souls. Listen, no matter what has happened in the past, you don't have to be a victim of your past. The word of God is the answer. We can't do anything about the past, but listen up. If we will take the word of God, believe the word of God, speak the word of God and apply the word of God to that situation, listen, it will sort it out. It will make your mind whole. It will make your mind whole. Now, how does faith work for mental health? Just like faith for any other thing. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
It says, so with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Is made unto healing. Is made unto mental wholeness. Is made unto emotional well-being. By believing God's word in our hearts and by speaking God's word with our mouths. Now, how are we going to believe God's word in our hearts? We need to get into the word of God and feed on what the word of God says. Feed on what the word of God says. You need to renew your mind with the word. You need to feed on the word of God on a daily basis, on a daily basis, on the entire counsel of God's word. And then specifically, whatever area it is that you are challenged, whatever area it is that that problem is, get scriptures along that line. Let's say it's fear, and fear is about to just rip your life apart. What about getting scriptures that deal with fear in the Bible? Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not from with thee, be not dismayed from thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Mark 5.36, fear not, believe only. So I refuse to fear, I choose to believe. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. So God calls fear a spirit. It's a spirit. So what do you do? You speak to it. James 4.7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you call that fear by name. Say, fear, listen up. I stand against you. I refuse to fear. I resist you in the name of Jesus. Let's say it's depression. Stick to it. You see, the way to get out of depression is you talk yourself out of it. That's how to get out of depression. Talk yourself out of it. And let me tell you something. Stop believing the lies the devil told you. If you are going to be free, you have to change your thinking. If you won't change your thinking, you can't be helped by God. You have to change your thinking. You have to stop thinking on the devil's lies. The devil tells you, you've made this mistake. Your life is finished. The devil tells you, it's over. The devil tells you, you're good for nothing. The devil tells you, nothing will ever work right for you. Where did you get it from? Who told you that? God didn't say so. Jeremiah 29, 11. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good and not evil. To give you a future and a hope to bring you to an expected end. Ephesians 1.6 says that you are accepted in the beloved. You see, you are the apple of God's eyes. Look, they may have rejected you, but God has accepted you. He loves you. So if you will not change your thinking, you can't be helped. Some people don't want to be helped. I remember I was talking with a young man one time. He told me he was having some supernatural experiences. I said, impressive. Interesting. I said, tell me about these supernatural experiences. Now, I could tell something already looked wrong just from his countenance. I could tell something looked wrong. Uh, then he told me he was hearing this voice, and this voice used to tell him stuff. I said, tell me some of the kind of things that voice tells you. When he told me, I said, listen, you see that voice? It's not God. It's not God. I could judge it easily. Uh, what that voice was telling, it didn't line up with the Bible. I said, and you see this experience that you're having? If you keep opening up yourself to it and enjoying that experience and thinking that you're having, you, you're in touch with the spirit world, you're in touch with the supernatural, you have uh, extrasensory experiences that the average man doesn't, you know, there's something special to you. You're, you have access to the spirit realm and all that. And you open up yourself and you keep entertaining this, uh, that voice. I said, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to wind up in the psychiatric hospital. That's what's going to happen. 
I said, that voice is not God. You need to resist it. The fellow was a believer, born again, spiritual tongue talking. He wouldn't listen. He continued listening listen to those voices. And that's exactly what, what they did to him. You see, we can't force help on people. If people don't want to be helped, nobody can help them. Brother Hagin was one time was on a healing line. He got to one particular lady. They told him that the lady was just having some, she was nervous and all that. They didn't tell him the whole story. Apparently, they had committed her to a mental institution uh, previously, you know? So as soon as he laid hands on the lady, and that's one of the things about laying on of hands, it gives the opportunity for other gifts of the spirit to come in operation. He said immediately saw what happened. She heard our robots talk about how he had an audible voice, how the Lord called him to ministry. So she began to pray also that she would hear an audible voice. And yes, she now began to hear a voice, only that the voice wasn't from heaven. You see, don't pray to hear a voice. God didn't promise you audible voice. Listen, we have the Bible. That's God speaking to us. We have the witness of God's spirit in our spirits. If God sees fit to give you a spectacular experience, for you to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost, for you to see a vision, for you to see angels, for you to have any of those things, fine. If he doesn't see fit, fine. If you keep trying to have that, you could get yourself in a mess. You could get yourself in a mess. So that's what the lady did. She wanted to hear those words and she started hearing them until she lost her mind. Then they took her to a robot's meeting. And Brother Oro couldn't help her because she didn't want to be delivered. She wanted to keep hearing the voices. They took her to William Branham's meeting. William Branham couldn't help her because she still wanted to be hearing the voices. Then they brought her to Brother Higgins' meeting. When she, she came to Brother Higgins' meeting, Brother Higgins had this experience. Immediately told them to take her to the uh, pastor's office that he'll meet with her and her husband there with the pastor when he finishes with the healing line. So he got there and he showed them what the Lord had told him. And they said, yes, that's exactly what happened. And um, he said, the reason I didn't go ahead to minister to her is that she won't get delivered because she doesn't want to be delivered. She wants to keep hearing those voices. And as long as she wants to keep hearing them, she will keep hearing them. And Lady Sukkot said, yes, that's true. I want to keep hearing them. Said, if you ever want to ever be free, you can come and meet me, I'll help you. So there are those things. Now, there was this other man. He was a professor. Of, um, of, uh, of psychology. He majored on the sexual criminal, on the sexual criminal. He had retired. It was somewhere in Texas. After his retirement, he now went back to studying those books, the sexual criminal. And from the things he started reading, those same things got a hold of him and he started molesting little girls. He became a pedophile. And um, his wife was about to leave him. Then um, they were watching TV listening, and they heard uh, Lester Sumrall talk about some of the experiences he had in the Philippines. There was this popular case that was a national problem. You know, this girl that was in a padded cell, this spirit was oppressing her, would leave marks in her bodies, in her body. They wanted to help her. Uh, Lester Sumrall was there in the Philippines, and he watched it, and God told him to go get the girl delivered, set the girl free, and he was able to. So, and he made national, he made national news. So they heard that and they reached out to Lester Sumrall. Brother Lester told them, he said, look, I'm far away from where you guys are. I have a friend who's close to Texas right there. He's in Oklahoma, in Tulsa. His name is Kenneth E. Hagen. Uh, call him, 918-258-1588. Call their office. Get to speak with him. He'll be able to help you. Well, pull the call through got through to Brother Higgin while he was in the office. Brother Higgin said he should come over. 
when they narrated the stuff, he said, okay, he said, this is it. He said, that thing got a hold of you from you continuing to feed on those materials, on those books. He said, I'm not going to mess with you. I'm not going to do anything except you promise me, one, you're going to burn those books. You're going to burn them. You're not going to read them anymore. Number two, you need to read your Bible every day, every day, every day. And then number three, you pray in tongues at least 30 minutes every day. If you're not going to do these three things, you can leave my office. I'm not going to mess with you because you won't be helped. And if you did get help, it's just a matter of a short while. You'll be worse off than you were initially. Why did he say that? Matthew 12, 43 to 45. What an unclean spirit has gone out of a man. He goes through dry places seeking rest, findeth none. Uh, it says, go, I'll go back to my house where I came from. When he's come to it, he finds it empty, shut, and garnished. Goes to bring seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. Lasted of the man is worse than the first. So that's a Bible principle. Devil will always want to come back where he has left. He will always want to reclaim territory he has lost. So the man said, look, I want help. I want help. I know how I'm going to wind up. I'm going to wind up in the electric chair. The way I'm going, that's how they always uh, ended. And, and he knows from what he had studied. And that was what that stuff was going to do to him too. You know, there are people that watch horror films. If I'm watching TV, once it says horror, I change the channel. I don't mess with that stuff. You see, from feeding on those kind of wrong things, you can open up yourself to demons. And they can harass you. They can oppress you. So you need to stay full of the word. You need to stay full of the Holy Ghost. You need to exercise your faith. You need to keep speaking the word of God and believing the word of God. Uh, get around, get in a local church that believes the Bible. Get in a local church that teaches you the word of God. Not one that will worsen your problem. A local church, uh, a body of believers that will love on you. Worship God. Praise him. You know, don't isolate yourself. Don't be all by yourself. Get in the company of people of like precious faith. And then feed on the Bible every day. Read the word of God. Read the word of God. God's word is what's going to save our souls. God's word is what's going to make our minds whole. And then let's say you're battling any of these things. The way you battle it is with words. You speak the word of God. Whatever kind of, whatever challenge it is you have. Let's say suicidal thoughts. Let's say it's, um, it's fear. Let's say it's anxiety. That's a big one for many people anxiety. They are anxious. They are worried. Worried about everything. Oh, what's going to happen with the economy? Oh, hope they won't die. Hope their children won't die. Hope everybody won't die. Hope they won't lose this. Hope this won't go wrong. Oh, uh, everything is going wrong. Everything is going down. Listen, worry is a rocking chair. It keeps you busy. It gets you nowhere. Like I always say, if they say that the heavens are going to fall, eh, let it fall on all, all of us. Maybe it's all of us if you fall on. Eh, let it fall now. You see, I have an attitude towards challenges. I never worry about anything. It's futile. It's not going to solve the problem. It's going to worsen it. And I'll tell you something. If God were to tell us to do something that we can't do, then he's mean. Then he's wicked. Now, what did God say about worry? Philippians 4, 6. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, a more modern translation, like the Amplified Classic, says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, 
definite requests with thanksgiving. Continue to make your wants known unto God. Now, many people want that peace that passes all understanding. But we don't want to do what we need to do to get it. Many people want to pray and talk to God about their problem. But as long as you have the anxiety, God doesn't have it. God said, don't worry. If God says, don't worry, then don't worry. There's enough power in that word, don't worry, to keep you from worrying. Amen. You see, people who worry and fret, they think on the negative side of life. I've learned, now, I'm not saying be irresponsible. There are certain situations where there are certain things we need to do in the natural as men. We should do them. We should be responsible. But after you've done what you should do as a man, leave the rest to God. Cast the care of that matter on God. I'll tell you something. You can't fix it. If God can't fix it, you can't. And the truth is that you even can't fix it. Why don't you just give him... Let, let him start working on it. Amen. We can practice living a carefree life. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. You see, just meditating on the Father's care. Just meditating on the fact that you have a father who understands everything you're going through, who understands your situation, and who loves you, and who is with you to help you and to fix it. Just feeding on that. Just feeding on that. Feeding on that constantly. Feeding on that constantly. Look, in the final analysis, nobody can help you like you. You are the one who really can help yourself in the final analysis. Yes, people can surround you. Yes, people can help you. Yeah, in some cases where a fellow has lost it, we may need people to help him, you know? Yes, but as long as you still can, uh, can understand, you need to do something. You need to do something. You need to take responsibility for your situation and just go into the word of God and find out what the word of God says. Meditate on the Father's love. Now, Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, my brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You see, we can think on what we want to think about, and we can refuse to think on what we don't want to think about. What you think about is too important. The devil's greatest weapon is the power of suggestion. He's always doing his best to get into your thought life. You see, he comes with these suggestions. And let me tell you, thoughts are governed by observation, by association, and by teachings. Thoughts are governed by observation, by association, and by teaching. What do you observe? What do you read? What do you watch? What do you look at? What do you uh, meditate on? You see, those things, what you observe will affect what you think on. Then association. What's the company you keep? Who are the people you hang around? It's going to affect your thoughts. The, 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 there are certain things you are likely to think about if you go to a, a nightclub. You know, you don't want to think about, it's not likely you are thinking about the miracle working power of God in a nightclub. You know, you go to a strip house. It's not likely you are thinking about the healing power of God and laying hands on the sick. It's not likely that's what you'll be thinking about. You know, that association will get you thinking along a certain line. And then teachings, teachings, amen. 
We need to receive the word of God and we need solid teaching from the Bible to feed on, to govern our thoughts. You see, thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words will lead the heart out of defeat into certain victory. Thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words will lead the heart out of defeat into certain victory. And then I tell you this also. You see, thoughts may come and thoughts may sometimes persist, but thoughts that are not expressed in words or in action die unborn. Thoughts may come and thoughts may sometimes persist, but thoughts that are not expressed in words or in action die unborn. The most holy saints of God have sometimes found thoughts in their minds that their hearts resented. Guard your thoughts. But if the devil is keeps trying to bombard your mind with some negative thoughts, don't voice them and don't act on them. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, he said, take no thought for your life saying. You see, the way you take a thought is by saying it. Don't say the devil's thoughts. Don't repeat the devil's thoughts. In actual fact, stop dwelling on those thoughts. And you know, we can do it. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not canal. It says, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, we can do that. We can pull down imaginations. We can pull down reasonings strongholds that have been built in our minds, mindsets that are contrary to God's word. We can cast them down. What weapon do we use? We use the word of God, the sword of the spirit. You feed on that word. We feed on that word. We stay with that word. We stay with that word. Now, in some of these cases, the battle or the test may sometimes be a bit long drawn. But listen, you can't go under for going over. What do you need to do? Just stand your ground and keep standing, and keep standing, and keep standing. Then there's something about learning to praise God, learning to worship God, learning to thank God. We can thank God. You know, there's just something about praising God. He's a good God. He's a good God. He didn't bring the problem. He's not against us. He's on our side. So in the face of that depression, just say, Father, I just want to thank you because you're my father. I just want to thank you because this is just another opportunity to act on your word. I just want to thank you because you always cause me to triumph. I just want to thank you because you are not against me, you are for me. I just want to thank you because I am more than a conqueror through him that has loved me. You see, when you first start saying it, you may be saying it and, and you're saying it and you're just feeling so bad. I'm more than a conqueror. When you're saying I'm more than a conqueror, you feel like saying, hey, I'm more than a defeated person. That's how you might feel. You might want to say, ah, the greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When you're saying, when you first start out saying it, you may be like, the greater one is in me. He will put me over. He will make me a success. He, I, I, I have the victory. And then you, you relax. And then after some time, oh, everything is not working. Don't say that. Open your mouth again and say, I'm on the winning side. And then you say, I'm on the winning side. God is on my side. If God be for us, who can be against us? He is for me. Just keep speaking the word. You see, your words will register on your spirit. Your words will reprogram your thinking. Your words will charge the atmosphere around you. Your words will get you out of that depression. 
Amen. Stop speaking it. Stop speaking it. Talk yourself out of it. And like I said, get a company of people who love you. Get a company of people who believe in you. If you need to see a doctor, see a doctor. If you need to see a therapist, don't feel condemned about it. If you need help, speak out. Say you need help. Don't be arrogant. Praise God. We can triumph. And in this area about mental health, God wants our minds strong. God wants our minds healthy. We've had any number of people come to Rema with mental issues. Some doing drugs. Some minds are messed up. Some they're in depression. Some all kinds of things. And just sitting under the teaching of God's word. Before long, they are perfectly free. Because the word of God, received with meekness, James 1.21, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Well, I guess I thought a little longer than I intended to. And um, the question and answer time will help us touch on other areas. There's only so much I can say within an hour or less than an hour now that I've spoken for. There's only so much I can say. Uh, but as the questions come in, they will help us touch on other areas and um, we'll do our best. But I'll say this. Don't ask a question that is like you want counsel online. You know, don't ask a question that you want me to talk to your husband or you want me to talk to your wife because you know she or he might also be watching. So you want me to say something. Now, the truth also is that you can't get counsel. Counsel is going to be from your local church. You know, what we're here to do is a teaching. This is our alumni. And we opened it, Rema Bible Training Center, Nigeria. You know, uh, one of the international campuses of Rema USA, started by Kenneth Hagen. You know, uh, that's what we are. We decided to open this up because it's such a global issue. Decided to open it up to the public so that other people can be blessed. If you want to come to Rema, we have another intake in April, Rema, Nigeria. It's both online and off-site, uh, online and on-site, that intake. And, um, but this, if you're going to do it online, you have to be resident in Nigeria. You have to be resident in Nigeria. So we're not talking about, I want to take Rema online from USA. No, there's a Rema school in America, which is the closest one to you. So uh, that's what this is. So the questions, any questions, Bible questions, uh, I'm not going to try to counsel. I just want to give answers from the word of God, things that will help us be able to help ourselves and help other people. So please write on.